give me one shot here on a blue chip stock, believe me, Kevin, the only problem I'm going to have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is going to go up, down, sideways, or in circles. What's going on, NBA draft fans? Your boys are back. The Wolves of Ball Street, the Draft Act NBA Draft Podcast. My name is Corey Tulliba. I am here, as always, with my co-host, Albert Gim. Albert, what is good, brother? What's going on? Um, hey, for our listeners out there, you guys probably have no idea, but we haven't recorded it in a minute. Uh, we actually kind of like doubled and tripled up recently. and We've been gone for a while, but it's good to be back. It's good to have uh, the legend back in the building. And uh, we have a very, we have an insane guest today. And he's probably one of our favorite guests that we've ever had on the pod. So, Corey, why don't you go ahead and intro our uh, very important, very special guest today? Yes, sir. We got it. We're back in a big way. Back in a big way. We got my guy, our guy, Pee Wee, the motherfucking plug from the <laughs> Through the Wire podcast. <laughs> Pee, what is good, brother? <laughs> man, I'm so happy to be back with you guys, man. All the work y'all been doing um, with the no ceilings, been fantastic. Love seeing the growth for y'all. Um, and I like the momentum y'all having up uh, coming to the draft. Uh, it's been a big year, um, and I'm happy to be here. I feel like this is a this is different since the last time I was here. Y'all are For much sure. more bigger. I'm in spaces, and guys are talking about draft stuff, and they're mentioning this, and they're mentioning that, and they're mentioning y'all. And I'm like, oh, okay, my guys, I'm, I'm making moves. I'm seeing Corey. You got the uh, the old ESPN look in some of the videos <laughs> now. Yeah. That was that was dope. I'm happy to be here, man. Yeah, man, that was uh, th- those have been fun, man. You know, I, I'm trying to bring all my influences, the stuff that made me want to do this stuff when I was younger. And I was waking up 6 a.m., you know, trying to watch Sports Center, no internet, needed to get the, yep. the bottom line, the ticker, right? And, uh, <laughs> right. you know, a lot of those Sports Center guys are the reason that, you know, I love sports media, right? So it only felt right to pay homage and mesh that with the draft world. Um, but outside of just the fact that we got P with us today, doing a full on breakdown. Cause the last time you were here, we did like, I think we did like some sleepers. We hit a bunch of guys yeah. cause it was right before yeah. the draft, but we are going deep, deep, deep on one of the hottest names in the draft world right now. Johnny Davis from Wisconsin guard 20 years old right now, just turned 20. He'll be 20 on draft night, six, five, one ninety five. Um, I couldn't find any measurements for his wingspan, but I think just just looking at it, it feels like he's got a pretty plus wingspan to me. I think the length is going to be good. Um, averaging 20 points on the dot, 8.1 rebounds, 2.2 assists, 2.3 turnovers, 0.6 blocks, 1.1 steals, shooting 44.6%, 33.3% from behind the arc, 78.2% from the line, 53.8% true shooting, PER 25.3. Um, Johnny Davis is having himself a season right now uh i mean the leap he's made from year one to year two has been impressive and you see it in how much his stock price has has jumped preseason he was unranked mm-hmm. Not, he was unranked on the draft act ipo he was unranked on most major outlets and then in december something happened he started buzzing a little bit all right espn moved him up to 31 tankathon to 25 basketball news to 26 bleacher report had him all the way at eight back in December. Sports Illustrated had him all the way at five in December. No ceilings. We had him at 28. It was an average price, 20 and a half. He was 21 on the draft deck stock price updates. And then currently ESPN moved him up to nine. 
The Athletic has him at five. Tankathon has him at seven. Basketball News has him at eight. Bleacher Report has him at five. No ceilings had him at five in the February big board. Average price, six and a half. Currently ranked six out of all of the prospects in the last draft act update. So, uh, P, I'm going to ask you, we're going to start it out. Is Johnny Davis stock price too high, too low, or is it just right at six? Six, I think it's just right. It feels just right for me. Um, we obviously have the big three, um, you know, Jabari, Chet, Paulo. Then right at four, I think it's a consensus of like Jaden Ivey. Yep. And then at fifth, you know, with a wing that, I mean, a, a draft that hasn't, that doesn't have as many wings, you have to kind of consider AJ Griffin at five. Yeah. And then um, when you get to six, it's Johnny Davis. Depending on who you ask, maybe Keegan Murray. We still have people who are high on, high on Jalen Duran. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have that kind of circle. So I think six is just right. Um, and I don't and I don't think any Johnny Davis fans can complain with the type of rise he's had. I mean, <laughs> yeah. any, anything in the top 10 is, you know, is, is more than enough. But I, I do think six in my heart is just right. Albert, what about you? For sure. I, I mean, I definitely agree. I think on my personal board, I have him sixth right now, too. So that feels just about right. He might be moving up, though. Honestly, I was telling Corey right before we started recording, I was doing I mean, I've watched his games this season. I think the first time I saw him was when I was in Vegas. I didn't see him in person, but um, I was actually with Rucker. We were having lunch at some, you know, you you guys have to know this about Rucker. This guy's fancy, bro. He only eats at fancy spots. (laughs) We were walking around the hotel and like we ended up at like Wolfgang something steakhouse, whatever for lunch. And I'm like. Bro, I'm pretty poor. I can't I can't afford this. But anyway, <laughs> we're sitting there. I'm eating like, I don't know, a cup of water. And um, I look up at the TV and, and Wisconsin playing. I was like, oh, this Johnny Davis kid looks good. And I think at that like that same day, I think Mike Schmitz tweeted about him. And I think that's like kind of when the hype train was starting to roll with him. So for me, yeah, man, I, I, I like his game a lot. Doing the deep dive, I've I think I'm starting to like him even more. <laughs> But um, six feels just about right because, I mean, I, I agree with everything that P said. I think the rise in his stock has been unbelievable. And six feels just about right for me, too. He's had the the craziest rise of any prospect in, in the entire class. I also have him at six on my, my personal board right now. So that that aligns pretty well with, with consensus. And um, P, you mentioned some good names. All right, so I'm going to do a little exercise. I'm throwing this out there. We haven't done this before. I'm going to give us all a hypothetical, we're just going to say $10, okay? I'm going to give you three prospects. You can invest $10 in one prospect, or you could split it up however you want, okay? So I'm going to give you $10, and you could split that up between Johnny Davis, Jaden Ivey, or A.J. Griffin, okay? So Albert, you start first. You got $10 to split up between those three. You could spend it all on one of the guys, or you could split it up, whatever you want to do. This is a great start. Wow, this is that's insane, dude. This is really tough. Okay, I have my answer though. Um, okay. I love Johnny Davis a lot, but Jaden Ivey is kind of crazy to me the more I watch this guy. Um, but then I also love AJ Griffin a lot too. And I think to be honest, like I I, I think the point that P that you made about like the lack of wings, I think that's a really good point. Although, I mean, you know, like you know, we're gonna get into some other guys eventually, but like guys like Matherin, and there are some pretty decent wings here. But I, I, I think you you have a really good point because AJ Griffin has such a high ceiling as a wing. I think that's why we have to have him in that top five. But okay, so my answer is I would invest four dollars into Jaden Ivy and then three dollars in AJ and uh three dollars in Johnny Davis. I think that's the best way for me to go. 
Yes. That's fair. That's yeah, fair. That was that's actually how I split mine up too. That's okay. how I because I, I don't think there's a ton of separation and I'm I get confused on all of these guys at, at times at the top. I, it's it's gonna be like dissecting their games to the 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 most minuscule details by the end of this draft. All right, Pete, ten dollars. What do you got? So I agree on what a lot of, of Albert said. Um, I do like AJ Griffin. Um, can, I was a bit of a, a guy that was highly critical of him at the start just because of the injuries. It's, it's very tough to invest. Me, the more and more yes. we get this history of guys that have injury histories and, and it just happens in the NBA even when you take that chance and the, the writing was on the wall, it's super touchy for me. Um, especially when we're talking about top five picks, I'm from, we're all from the same era of where like top five picks are supposed to be legit. We're not even questioning it. This is a pillar in the, uh, program or the, you know, yeah, the organization as of late, it hasn't, it hasn't been like that, but, um, I'll probably have to put like, I want to say three with AJ Griffin, but a part of me is also saying two, I'll I'll do Mm -hmm. two. No disrespect Mm -hmm. to them. I just like these other two guys more. And then with the eight, I'll go, I'll go five Johnny, three Jaden. And the it. reason be, being, I didn't want to take the easy way out, which is split at four, four, IV right. Johnny Davis. But I'm going to give a little edge to, to Johnny Davis because me personally, not that there's a right or wrong answer. I yeah. really love basketball players. Mm-hmm. Nothing against guys who are ac- athletically gifted like Jaden Ivy um, or guys who are blessed with size like Chet. Um, but when we talk about, basketball players i think the potential and um you know there's no ceilings no pun intended there's really no ceilings for basketball players um and i think at the next level that's what it's about it's about the playoffs winning basketball when you get to that level um the best of the best when coaches you know and 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 teams they look to eliminate things and basketball players find counters uh to get to their spots or you know to make their weaknesses turn into strengths. And I think that Johnny Davis falls in the lines of a basketball player. It really reminds me of Devin Booker. And I'm sure we will get to guys that, you know, we, we think as comparisons or similarities, but the Devin Booker one is so obvious that I know a lot of people like us hate to say it, mm-hmm. but it just is what it is. You know yeah. what I mean? The mid range game, which is kind of coming back <laughs> with the Rosen and Chris yeah. Paul, and Booker, K- KD Ingram, um, you know, his, his, his intensity. I'm a, I'm a big fan of guys who turn on, um, you know, the clock for, for the big moments. And we've seen him do that against Purdue and Jaden Ivey plenty of times this season. Um, and the hunger, the guy don't come from nothing. I, I kind of enjoy that. And I'm into the intel and the storyline and, the, and the, you know, the backstory on people. Um, and I think he has everything in it. Nothing against Jaden Ivey or A.J. Griffin, but I just love pure basketball players at the next level. I mean, I think what your your point is super important, right? Like the NBA today is not what it was as far as relying on athleticism and and how much we put the importance on that. Like mm-hmm. back in our day, right? We had T Mac and Kobe and Vince, and like they all had this crazy bounce, and like everybody was trying to find that. And guys started getting drafted based on that profile, right? Thinking, oh, maybe we can get the next one. Not knowing those guys were all crazy skilled and it wasn't their athleticism that made them. It was their skill. The athleticism is what made them the superstar, right? The, but they could get by without it. And that's why you saw Vince like age so gracefully and be able to play yes. almost 20 years because he didn't need the bounce. He was just a, a crazy, crafty, skilled guy. 
And you're starting to see that with, with guys like Tyrese Halliburton, who no one's going to say he's crazy athletic, but he came in, he was able to contribute right away because he's smart. He's a smart basketball player. He just knows how to play the game the right way. NBA teams are, are not no longer like looking for, you know, guys who could just go ISO every single possession. And like, they want guys who make quick decisions and basketball plays. And I think Johnny is, is that guy. And I'll tell you, like Jaden Ivey is somebody who's confused me the whole time. I started out pretty low on him. He's grown on me a lot, but uh, like you said, like, Am I being blinded a little bit by his crazy athleticism, which might look a little bit more human in the NBA mm-hmm. or and then like downplaying the concerns about his shot? Like these are all things that, that run through my head when I rank him for sure, because like you, I really enjoy the the basketball guys. Um, let's start out with, with Johnny shooting, because I think that this is one of the areas where I think some people question what mm-hmm. he is, right? Mm. Uh, Albert, talk to me about him as as a shooter, what you like, what you don't like. So, okay, so I I was really interested to talk about this with you guys because the more I watched him, I'm like, oh, I just like it a lot. Um, You watch his shooting, especially off the dribble and the mid-range. You talked about the mid-range game. Him going to his right hand, pulling up, it's pretty automatic. It looks pretty – it's so smooth. It's like – it's like – you know what's the cool thing about Johnny Davis – when he is in the mid range and he pull he goes to his right hand and he pulls up, the thing that crosses my mind every single time he takes a shot is you can tell how much he's worked on that shot. Like it's so it's the same every single time, and it's almost like uh, you can almost if you're a Johnny Davis fan you you can get a little emotional here because you can see the okay. hours and the dedication that he's put into that shot because it's so smooth. It looks the same almost every single time, and it's really damn effective. So that I really love. And it's like, you know, we're going to talk about the space creation. We're going to talk about all those different aspects of his game. He, uh, I do want to say he doesn't have a perfect game, right? But what I wanted to ask, what I wanted to ask you guys is more about the three-point shooting because the mid-range shooting, I think, is fantastic. He he does it in a lot of different ways. Whether he's on the baseline, he's you know at the elbow, whatever. It, it's all it all looks awesome. The three-point shooting is my question because from what I saw, I felt like his misses were a little inconsistent. Um, sometimes he's long, sometimes he's short. Um, but mechanically, it looked totally fine to me. No hitches. It looked pretty much the same. What I noticed was when he was shooting off the catch and he had a second to set himself. It was pretty much automatic to me. It looked really good and he hit it a lot more. I thought off the dribble is where he struggled a little bit from three. Um, Wanted to kind of get your feedback on what you guys saw because once again, like when he's catching and he's set, looks fantastic. Off the dribble, I still think it looks good, but it isn't going in as often. I know he's shooting like 33% from three right now. So I was wondering what you guys thought and why you think um, you know, the numbers aren't really as high as maybe you'd want them to be. And maybe off the dribble, it could be a little bit better was what I was thinking. All right, P, let, how do you feel about his his three-point shooting translating to the league? When it comes to his three-point shooting, I'm kind of like you with Jaden Ivey. I'm trying to really wrap my head around the three-point shooting because I agree with almost damn near everything that Albert said. When I watch the shot, I don't see anything wrong with it. The The free throws look nice. The mid-range looked nice. So you would think <laughs> this dude would be shooting closer to 40%. He would be like, you know, 37, 38. Um, so, you know, when I started to really look at him and watch him and I would see the the numbers for the three-point line, it was surprising. 
because I won't lie, I wasn't, you know, a John, I didn't come into the year having Johnny Davis on my radar. I caught no him along like everybody else. Um, so when I would look at box score numbers and I would see the, the, you know, the high points and everything, I'm expecting a guy that's about to be shooting lights out from three. And that's what intrigued me is that it wasn't that way. So I'm like, how is this guy scoring? And then you see the mid range and everything. I think he can project the same way. I think it, you know, I think he could be a 33 guy. I think he can get higher. Um, I just think it matters the role and what team he's going to be on. Uh, Wisconsin isn't the most talented team. This team is would not be anywhere without this guy. So that's also my question for Johnny Davis is what role is he going to? I think that obviously it matters for every prospect, but for him specifically, is he going to be paired with somebody who can create looks for him? Because if that's the case, then I agree with Albert. He may be a better project to be a better three-point shooter because, yeah, if he gets the extra time and he's set, the shot does look better. Um, or is he going to be putting like the Devin Booker early Phoenix years where there's not really a consistent steady guard he's being paired with um, and he's going to have to create a little bit more for himself? Then we be, it might get a little iffy, but like if he goes to the Spurs and he's playing with somebody like DeJounte Murray who can, mm-hmm. you know, make defenses collapse constantly and put pressure at the rim, he, he may be able to thrive in a situation like that. Um, but I am a fan because of the mid-range game. I think it also opens up the three-point shot. Like I watched Wisconsin and they did they do a play where there's two options for him. He can come off a double staggered, but if yeah. the defender tries to beat him there, he can reroute and go back door and go to the block. And he has the entire right side of the floor, uh, you know, isolated for him. And it's like, if you have to worry about eliminating the mid range shot and trying to stop him from getting to the block and he reroutes off a double stagger, that's a very good shot that I like. And I think just that alone creates so much for an offense that it wouldn't bother me if he was a 32, 33 point shooter, uh, percent shooter in the next, next level. How many attempts is he shooting? four let's see let me let me get that quick um somewhere around it's probably somewhere around that it's probably like four four and a half something like that which is honestly pretty decent volume for a guy who's working his way um the three and a half so three and a half so almost four almost four in a game i'm i'm with you guys i'm not like super concerned because i don't think he needs the to be a a knockdown three-point shooter to to be effective at the next level early on especially and I, i think when you're talking about like if he gets paired with a good guard, I think if you look at the top of the lottery, as long as something crazy doesn't happen, I think it's very guard heavy. It's very guard heavy. So like, I I think that he will get paired with other guys that can make plays for himself. The one thing that I have with his shot um, is his right elbow flares out a little bit, almost chicken wings, okay, um, like slightly. And then he brings it in and it looks smooth, but I think, you know, that's stuff that they'll work out, tighten up. I think he'll struggle at first just because he's not a guy who gets a lot of elevation on his shot. Um, so as the games go on and you extend the line just a little bit, he might struggle with that to begin the season as a rookie, you know, adjusting mm-hmm. to to the line. But the follow through is good. I think he's got good touch. Right? Like I think he's he gets good arc on a lot of the shot. Like the makes look good. The makes are super encouraging to me. And one of the other reasons he's shooting it, I think at 33% is because he's self-creating a lot of the attempts, mm-hmm. you know, he's shooting it off the bounce versus you look at some guys who are primarily shooting off the ball. He's, he's got to create on the ball and get those off the ball. looks. So there's a mix of, of tough shots where he has the whole attention of the defense when the ball is in his hands. Um, and at times 
I almost feel like Wisconsin doesn't run enough stuff through him. Like he starts out so many possessions on the weak side of the floor, just chilling, waiting for, for yeah. action from some of the other guys. But like when he has the ball in his hands, the defense is is locked in on him. So I think all he needs to do is knock down enough shots that teams are going to respect him enough that they're not going under on ball screens. And if they do, can he make them pay? And I think he can't make them pay. So I'm not, I'm not super worried. And like you said, the mid-range stuff is automatic and he can get to it. And that's that self-creation ability, right? Like I think a lot of people question him because they think he's like a, a tough t- uh, a tough shot taker and maker. But I think that there are levels to taking tough shots because is it a tough shot for most people versus he it's one of his spots so he can get there and it's not as tough for him. Almost like DeRozan. When DeRozan gets to the elbow, that's a tough shot for a lot of people because he's got guys draped all over him. They know it's coming. But he's practiced that shot, like you said, Albert. Like you could tell he's put in the hours over and over and over. So he gets there, and that's just he's worked on that. He's expecting to get to that spot. He knows what to do. He's rising right. up. He's got the timing down. He's got the pacing up and down. Um, so I, I think when he gets to that spot, it looks so clean because he knows, like, this is my money shot. It, don't, it doesn't matter how you guard me. Like, I'm getting this bad boy up. So I, I love that about him. How do you feel about his ability to create space? And how do you think it's going to translate at the next level, Albert? Uh, so, okay. Biggest thing that I wanted to talk about in terms of space creation. Um, and I know they talked about it a lot on the telecast for different game, uh, like a bunch of the Wisconsin games. But clearly from last year to this year, the kid's gotten a lot stronger. And that shows on the court. And I think his strength is not just upper body strength, but it's his lower half as well. I, I, I really think he got stronger from top to bottom. You see it in his step backs. Um, there's there's like a really nice balance that he has to his step backs and he's not afraid to take the step back he actually likes the step back a lot not as much as cam thomas last year but he does like the step <laughs> back a little bit but the upper body strength is awesome because once he starts getting downhill the way that he can shed his defender with a pullback or whatever it's it's like this thing where of course it's the handle is a part of it but his shoulders and his upper body so strong just like a little push and the guy goes flying especially a college level defender a lot of these guys, they're they're they have to get their weight up. They're they're not strong enough to to keep up with him, and so he creates a lot of space with his strength. Um, has a strong lower half too. I thought one. It's not even a critique. It's more of like a nitpick. So it's not even that serious. Yeah. I thought maybe um, like on the step back, he could create a little bit more space. Maybe he could hop back a little bit more. But what are we talking about? Like it's totally fine. Um, definitely not a major issue with him. But um, I like it a lot. I think the handle's pretty good. I don't think his handle's elite at all. Um, but I think his handle's really good. I, I like when he pulls it back, too. He creates good separation there. Um, yeah. What do you, you know, I actually had a question for you guys. What do you think about his first step? You think it's like, I, I, I didn't think it was lightning quick, but he just, like you mentioned, Corey, like he knows how to get to his spots. My only concern is, will it be... A little bit harder. For, I don't know. It'll definitely be harder for him on the next level. But are you guys worried at all with the space creation? Like, do you feel like most of his space creation is coming because he's just bullying these college level defenders? Or how do you guys feel about that? I, this is interesting because this is where I was going right here. I, I was going to ask you what you think, because a lot of people think there's like he's not athletic. Right. And, and they have those same concerns. Is he too strong? Hmm. So I'll let P a- answer 
your question first, and then I'll I'll, I'll go into how I feel about it. Well, for me, for, first and foremost, I'm not the biggest fan of the, the separation. Um, but because of the shot-making ability, it doesn't concern me. And I think when you are a mid-range shooter, watching and being a guy that played, the, the mid-range area is always kind of going to be crowded. It's only so much space you're going to create there, um, you know, unless you're James Harden and you're playing in a Phoenix style. I mean, uh, Houston style of offense, right. which Johnny Davis. Yeah, it won't be. Um, the first step, I, I think, is average. Um, I think when you put him in a league, it's, it won't be like Zach Levine's or anybody else's. But that's why I, earlier when we first started the conversation, I held my hat on being a basketball player. I think his arsenal is why it, it, it won't be a problem. Because even when you talked about the strength, like getting to the basket, being able to finish, getting to the free throw line, that puts a lot of pressure on a defense, especially when you have that pull-up mid-range jump shot that you talked about that is almost identical every time he shoots it, especially going to his right. If I'm guarding him, I don't know if I'm preparing for the mid-range pull-up, which is the, which my coach is going to prepare me for all week to, to be ready for that pull-up. But then if he mixes it up enough and he's taking it to the basket like I've seen him, even when he rebounds, he has no problem with physicality at all. And he can post up, which is what I like. It's like he has so much in his arsenal that I don't think he really would. If he the league would be worried, it would be in trouble if he did have a lightning quick first step. I don't. I don't think he would need one. You know what I mean? And I obviously yeah. it can get better. The handle is average. There's a lot of things that's kind of average, but I'm, right. I'm hoping that with potential that it gets somewhat better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that you know. So I'm not that concerned with it. But yes, yeah, it's, it's not. It's I don't look at his first. When I watch him play, first step did not come to my mind. I won't lie. I, it's right. not a guy. I'm like, Same. oh, that first step. It's really the shot making and how, like you say, he, he's able to get to his spots. And I think you brought up a good question that I really don't have an answer for. Is is him getting to his spots because he's so much stronger than a Max Christie, who's you know a freshman? But that that I don't have an answer for. And I think that's a great point right. to consider with Johnny Davis is, is he going to be able to get to his spots when that's Devin Booker and not Max Christie from Michigan state. So I'm not sure with that, but I, I don't, I don't think of it as too much of a concern at this point, at least. Basketball players adjust, right? So yeah. he might, he might be able to dip that right shoulder and create a little bit of space to, to get that little shot up. But when he realizes that doesn't work at the next level, he'll adjust and he'll figure out, all right, maybe I got to pull up quicker. You know, maybe I got to throw a counter. Maybe I got to throw a pump. Like he'll 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 adjust to that. I don't think. Obviously, I'm with you. I don't think he's like this crazy athletic specimen. When you compare him to other guards around the league, you know, he's not going. To, he's not making the dunk contest. You know, <laughs> I don't think. But there's something about the way he moves that's so slick and so smooth. Like I feel like he glides, and I almost feel like, like I don't think he's gotten elite first step when comparing him to some of the elite NBA guys. But when I see him move on a college court, it looks quick. It's not fast, but it's quick because he's decisive about it. So he knows where he's getting. So I feel like it's efficient. It's quick and efficient. And that's what I like about it. Like, especially the fact that he can go both ways. Like when he's going left, that's when I really like that first step. It's just, there's something smooth and, I just love watching that that kind of stuff. So a lot of I, times too, just to add to that, when I see him, he gets he gets almost lower than the defender every time. Yeah, he gets yeah. very low. Yeah, 
That's what so it that is. Helps too. It, that's what it, like he's low. It makes you fat, like quicker to you're quicker. He's just quicker. Um, yeah. he's mm. he's efficient. He knows what he's doing. Where some guys they want to freelance. Like you know, I wrote about Blake Wesley today, and we, mm. you know, when you compare guard like him. You know, I, you know, basically the premise of the article was sometimes some guys are like a mirage. They got all the tools. They got the look. The highlights look great. But you watch the film in depth and it it tells a different story. And when we draft these guys, we just want to look at the positive stuff, like how much, you know, how hard of shots he can knock down the the crazy space creation. But like if he's taking so many, like, is it real at the next level? Is it good enough that an NBA coach is going to put his job on the line and be like, all right, you're our new draft pick. You might be shooting 41 percent, 25 percent from the three point line. But you know what? Let it fly, kid. Like, right. Probably not. Yeah. And when I compare it, like he doesn't really know what he's doing, Blake Wesley. You know, and he's a freshman. He's younger. He doesn't have that year that Johnny Davis had. He doesn't have the FIBA experience that Johnny Davis has. So he doesn't, you know, he doesn't have all that to his game. But I watch him and I go, he can create these shots, but he's creating bad shots. There's, you know, it's just like it's playground. It's playground stuff on on a college court. And it, some of it's encouraging, but maybe it's a mirage. Cam Reddish is a mirage. As much as I want to love Cam Reddish on both of y'all's necks, <laughs> it gets to a point when you look at his basketball reference page every year since college and you see the same thing. And that's not to say that Cam Reddish isn't can't be a good role player, right? But what was he compared to when he came into the league? Like or when he went to T Mac. Yeah, like yeah. like he's not I don't think he's developing into that. Maybe he is. Maybe he will. I don't know. But the thought of Cam Reddish is always better than what Cam Reddish actually is. Right? And you see like how fresh why ain't Tibbs playing Cam Reddish 35 minutes a game? It's like I don't know like why don't you talk to Hawks fans? <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, like, so I didn't sign players, up to hear this. And these players sometimes that's that's what I wrote about as far as Mirage player. But I don't think Johnny Davis is like that. I, I think, think you, you brought up a great point too that I think is it's an entire episode, it's an entire article <laughs> in itself. FIBA play. Mm. When you look at Johnny Davis, you look at Jaden Ivey, you mm-hmm. even look at a couple years ago, Tyrese um Halliburton. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Guys might want to consider coming back, playing some FIBA basketball, elevating your game. I'm just throwing it out there. It, it seems like something that has helped a lot of freshmen make a sophomore jump and go right to the league to 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 be uh, impact players. I'm I'm betting my top dollar that Ivy and Johnny Davis are going to be impact players from day one. Halliburton was impactful. It was with the Kings, but it was mm-hmm. still impactful. Yep. Um. So that that that's an entire different conversation. But yeah, it's something about that FIBA play for freshmen who return that do something. You know, you like when you're on that FIBA team, you're with so many other talented players. Yeah. Yeah. That you have to learn how to contribute in ways that you're probably not used to contributing on the court. Mm-hmm. Um, Halliburton's FIBA team was crazy. I mean, yeah. it was like Cade Cunningham, mm-hmm. Jalen Suggs, Evan Mobley, Jalen Green. Ridiculous. Uh, yeah. Like, you know, his, his FIBA team was crazy. Uh, this last FIBA team, though. On the opposite end, you had Patrick Baldwin Jr., who had who really struggled this year. He did. Um, 
I actually wrote about him in that in that Mirage column, but I said I was buy I'm still buying stock in Patrick Baldwin Me Jr. Too. even though same, even though same. the percentages are crazy. Um you got guys but, like Kenneth Lofton Jr. was on that team. He wasn't the MVP Jr. or something. Yeah, yeah, he was uh, Chet was the MVP, but okay. Lofton was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> he was going crazy, man. Um I love Kenneth Lofton Jr. He's the weirdest player there is. I got a, one of my dude. best friends, one of my childhood best friends, every time but we talk about college basketball. He has something to say about Kenneth Law. He loved that. He loves that guy. He he's a him. he's a basketball player. Yeah, he is. He's a basketball he player. You know, like measurements, weight be damned. Like that dude just knows how to go out and contribute, right? Um, his dad and his dad just going hard for him on Twitter, and I can appreciate that. Just oh, I haven't even seen. It. I haven't <laughs> even seen. It. What do you think of uh, Johnny Davis's passing? Because the the assist numbers, you know, I think he's at two point two, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, two point three turnovers, but I feel a little. I've seen some stuff that I like. I've seen some stuff yeah. that I like. Albert, what did you get? Really diving in, what kind of impression did you get about, about him as a playmaker? Okay, so for me, when it comes to his passing, I want to connect it to something that's a little weird. Um, <clears throat> I think his biggest weapon. I mean, we're, we're already talking about a lot of the great things that he does. I think his biggest weapon is his left hand. Um, and I want to talk about that because this guy has a really good left hand. Um, and, and it's perfect that P's on the pod today because, you know, when we look at RJ for the Knicks right now, one of the biggest things that I've noticed with him recently is, of course, like he has the confidence, the swagger, everything. He, he looks fantastic on the court. He looks different, right? Visibly different. But the biggest thing that I noticed with his offensive repertoire is that he's going to his right hand a lot more. And he's pretty comfortable finishing with that right hand too. And when I look at Johnny Davis, his left hand finishing is pretty awesome. And he, I like how comfortable he is dribbling with that left hand and driving with that left hand. And he can also make passes, live dribble passes with that left hand too. And so I'm trying to connect all this together. And I think his left hand makes him such a dynamic offensive player, which also speaks to that space creation stuff that we talked about before, because I think the more that he develops that left hand, the more he's going to have at his arsenal to do different things that defenses are not going to be ready for and are just going to, he's going to kind of throw them off. And with the passing, yeah, he's not Josh Giddy. Um, I, I love that. He's like the first name that comes up now, which is really cool. Right. <laughs> Um, he's not Josh Giddy, he's not Chris Paul, he's not a lot of these great passes, right? Um, but he's a really good passer, and you can see it on the tape. I think it was Metcalf or somebody, somebody posted on Twitter a bunch of the passes that he was making, and yeah, it wasn't like and one mixtape stuff, right? He's not like flipping and doing like 360 pirouettes while he's throwing passes. Uh, shots to uh, Starberry back in the day. Um, but he can make really solid reads. Um, he can, you know, a lot of the drives that he's taken to the basket, as you mentioned, P he's not on the best team, right? So defenses are collapsing with four or five guys every time he attacks a rim and he sees the guy in the weak side corner. He sees the guy in the opposite wing, right? He can make those passes with either hand. And so I was really impressed. I, once again, I don't think he's going to be an, I don't think he'll ever be a primary creator. Maybe he will be. I'm not sure, but he passes more than enough for you to be happy with. Yeah, he made in in the Purdue game with that he had 37. At the end of the game, when guys were, you know, obviously like he's going off, guys are guarding him close. He made this live dribble left-handed pass to the weak side corner coming off the screen getting downhill. Um that was such a big play and when he made that 
that that pass, I was like, oh, that's that's a legit pass, right? Because not just knowing that the weak side corner is is where you want to go there, but being able to do it off a live dribble with the left hand, buying your your shooter just that split second extra time was huge. Uh, I agree with you. I don't think he's going to come in as some kind of primary distributor. Maybe a team will give him that role similar to how like Zach Levine played point guard early on, even though obviously that was never going to be terrible, right? His role. Jalen green has a lot of that same kind of responsibilities this year, even though ideally you, you know, that's not what he ends up being. Right. But it helps them in the long run. You see it. Jaden Hardy gets that in the G league a little bit. Like Jaden Hardy's probably not yeah. going to be that guy, but they're like, it's the G League Ignite program. We're not trying to win games, right? Like we want to win as many games as we can, but that's not our goal. Our goal is to develop these guys for the NBA, and he's getting these reps that he's not used to. So maybe a team does that with Johnny Davis. But I think that if you're using him as a guy who's who learns how to leverage his scoring ability by making plays for others, I think he's going to be real capable of that. And I think I could see him being a guy who's averaging four in between four and five assists a game in a secondary tertiary type role. Um, so that that's what I'm looking forward, forward to seeing from him as a passer. Yeah. You took the words right out of my mouth. Just using, using the offense kind of, we've seen, we see a lot of guys do it. The Rosen wasn't some crazy playmaker coming in, but over the years, as he polished up his game, he's used that to be a guy who can, you know, rack up assists, and he's and still to this day, DeRozan isn't some Josh Giddy. We'll use that again. No, but it's just about making a simple read. You yeah. know what I mean? And I think a lot of these guys, um, when they are on teams early in their careers, whether it's you know DeRozan was a highly touted player, so every team he was on from a lower level, even in college, he was the guy as scoring. Um, they come into the league and they're not used to having to pass the ball. And the, the league is the highest level of competition. They're going to send double teams. They're going to take this away, cut this off. You're going to see different looks, bigger bodies. So you're going to have to learn how to pass. Sometimes you're not going to have a damn choice but to pass, even yeah. if you don't want to. And I think he can be one of those guys that falls right in line with that. And you hit it on the head. If he's put in that position early on, which you also said earlier, the way the teams look in a lottery, he probably won't be. Yeah. Um, it will help him in the long run. Like, I think Devin Booker benefited from that. Um the most like I I love the, right. the growth in his game and I'm hoping that Johnny Davis can have a similar type of um you know development coming in being a scorer um and then using that to be you know a guy who can just make reads you don't have to be white chocolate but just being able to make the read you know what I mean to have hopefully some good teammates around you because I think that's also a thing like oh yeah if I'm Devin Booker and I'm coming off the screen and I'm throwing it to Josh Jackson in that corner I'm going to lose faith and it becomes yeah. a dark hole. <laughs> or if I'm Zach Levine in my first few years and my first couple of years in, Tim- in the Timberwolves, they're making me be a point guard. Now, when I finally get my chance to be the shooting guard, all I think about is more because I'm finally being able to do what I came here to do. So, um, but I do, I, I do think it can grow. I, I, I want to see more of it because yeah, you can see highlights and plays here and there. I want to see it, see it more on a consistent basis, but I try not to hold it too much against him because he does play for a team that isn't, you know, overwhelming with talent, but I also don't want it to make it seem like Johnny Davis is just this perfect prospect either. Yeah. No, he's so not. definitely something I, I'm taking in concern. I also don't like, I'm, I'm a turnover police. 
I hate when guys average. I don't I don't care if it's a point more. I, I hate when your assists and turnovers are anywhere near each other. That's my mm-hmm. biggest pet peeve. I hate a guy who averages 2.2 assists and 2.5 turnovers. It just irks me because you have to value the basketball, especially if you're going to be a prime. Even if you're not the number one option, if you're one of the top three guys, you got to be able to take care of the basketball and have that trust that when it, when the game is on the line, you're going to make the right decision with it. So, you know, something to look at. I, I think one of the interesting subplots about this this draft class is there there's not really one of those perimeter creators mm-hmm. at, at the top of the draft. Like you can have those same exact concerns about Jaden Ivey. You have the same concerns about AJ Griffin. You can have the same concerns about Matherin. Like none of these guys in this draft are really going to come in and you're like, one of their plus strengths, first thing you talk about is their playmaking. Uh, so that probably helps each and every one of them in, you know, kind of moving up the board because there's not, I mean, right now, you know, you see the league valuing those kind of playmakers like like crazy and they don't really have any competition. But all of those guys, I feel like they're, they're, they all have the same concerns and they're all so close and, and figuring out which one of those guys is going to be able to mesh that scoring ability with the passing, especially because like, like Johnny Davis, who spends a lot of time off ball in this offense, Jaden, uh, Jaden Ivey spends a lot of time off ball, mm-hmm. you know, he's playing off Zach Eady and Trevion Williams and you know, like college offense is just a lot of times just way different. And, you know, you teams are throwing zones at you and like, there's all these weird situations where you don't always get to show like some of the NBA skills. So I I think he's shown me enough that I I don't think like we just discussed, he's going to be some crazy playmaker, but I think there's some skeletons there that like a good team with good development can, can get out of him uh, in time, but it's a process. Cause I mean, shit, Zach Levine's in what year? And right now he's still got stuff to work out as yes, a playmaker, yes. a decision maker. You know what I mean? So like uh very, very rarely does it does it happen right away. This is something we could have this conversation five years from now and wonder if he's still got room to grow, right? Yeah. Let's talk about him a little bit defensively. Um he's a guard, you know. I, I think that unless you're an elite, elite defender as a guard, you don't have like a tremendous individual impact where you really make your your impact on the defensive side of the ball is like how do you stay on a string in in, in a team concept and can you figure out quickly where rotate who to help and whatnot but let's start with the one-on-one stuff albert what did you think of johnny davis on the ball okay so to put it simply i i don't think he's an elite defender but i think he gives elite effort uh, was what I thought, um, at least from what I saw. I thought he was really aggressive. Um, he really fights to get over screens. I like that he guards a lot of the best players. That game against Purdue recently, against Jaden Ivey, he really tried to go at him, really tried to make his life difficult. First half, Ivey didn't really score much, was passing a lot. I, I wouldn't say that's all credit to Johnny Davis, but I like that Johnny Davis was there. Um, I was watching this game from early in the season when they were playing Georgia Tech. And they're going up against Michael DeVoe. And Michael DeVoe probably, I don't even know if he's going to get drafted, but the dude's like still 18-point-per-game scorer for Georgia Tech. And he's our main creator. And I think that game, DeVoe put up like 30 points. And 
it was weird. Like DeVoe scored 30 points, but every time Johnny Davis was on him, he really made him work for it. So I definitely enjoyed that. Um, my only thing with Davis as an on-ball defender, I thought at times um, he lacked like focus or I don't know what it was. Like he he would just sometimes just the his man would just walk right by him. And it wasn't because he wasn't trying, but I don't know if he's like he, he was like lost with his eyes or what was going on. But there were a couple of possessions. I'm like, what the hell happened there was kind of how I felt. Um, so once again, like, I, I don't think he's a bad defender or anything. I actually think he's a pretty good defender or a really good defender. I, I think he'll be really good. Um, maybe it was like his team that he was playing on or what it was, but there are a couple of times I was like, what the hell happened there? But a lot of times I thought he showed great effort. I like that. He took on the tough assignments. I like that. He made those, um, guys try really hard to score against him. So yeah, I, I, something I did want to mention about him, like the physio part of it. Uh, guy has short legs. You guys notice that? He's got some short legs on him. Um, <laughs> but I, I think before P, when you mentioned like um, he gets really low, or maybe it was Corey that mentioned it. I think part of that is because he has short legs. You know, he's got kind of lower to the ground, um, which which helps him. And I think defensively too. Sometimes I, I feel like he moves his feet well, but he doesn't have lightning quick feet either. Was what I felt. So it's good, but not great again is what I felt with his footwork as well. So I like him as a defender. I, I, just, I don't think he's bad by any means. Yeah, I like I like that he gets long and that he uses his length to, to help. His footwork, he crosses his feet a lot when he's moving, like in a diagonal, trying to keep up with somebody instead of kind of going side to side. And if it works for you, it works for you. But there are times that I think it it lends to him being like a step behind. My concern with him is like he's listed 6'5", and he's strong, I think he's going to struggle switching up mm. in the NBA. Yeah. Like, Ooh. NBA wings, especially because, like, there's going to there, – in, in the coming years, like, there's such a blurred line of positions now. And, like, there's going to be so many teams with just three six-foot-eight guys on the floor at one time. Yeah. You know, like, and and those are the kind of guys I think he's going to struggle with when they get like a head of steam downhill. Like, there, I've seen a ton of times when, you know, a guy he's on a guy's hip, they just like he does to to the guys defending him, they'll dip their shoulder, and he kind of just backs up. He can't kind of like body up and hold his ground as much right now. So I do think NBA strength is something he's going to struggle with one on one. But like you said, I think he gives good effort. I think he's slithery. Um, around screens and you know that kind of smoothness that the way that he moves that I said I liked I think that helps uh, he gives good effort and I think he the length he, he uses his length pretty well when he can um, all right P what do you what do you think on ball I think he's solid um, lateral quickness definitely isn't blowing you away um, but I also think basically like y'all said I, I don't think he hurts you but I also don't know what I like is like little things that it's just like, you just pick up like him guarding Jaden Ivy. I, I noticed that too. And that's something that like, I just make a mental note in my back, the back of my head. That speaks a lot. You know what I mean? Because you're taking on that challenge. You know, what comes with that. Um, the competitor. You gotta like the effort at some, you know, when, when guys like him score as good as he does, sometimes that's all a team acts for at the NBA level is some effort. Like, a lot of times early in James Harden's career, it was just like, it's not that you can't guard anybody, but it's like you're not even trying. You at least try. And I think he has those two things going for him, uh, trying, the size. Um, 
And I think if he gets in the right develop in the, the right uh environment, the right team, he could be a plus a, a, a good plus defender. He could be a really, really good defender. Maybe not ever like an all-team defender, but he's definitely yeah. not going to be anybody where you have to, you know, hide, so to speak. I do like your point though, you know, with the league going to this direction where the Raptors could potentially have Pascal, OG, and Scotty on the floor together. Yeah. Um he definitely could have trouble. I I I really don't like six five players. It's just an odd height for, to me. I don't know why. It's just a weird thing in my mind. I hate when I see six five. It just feels like you should be a you should be six six or six four. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I hate the six. I hate the six five thing. At, at the shooting guard position. At the shooting guard mm. position, I hate six five shooting guards. And like you said, with the the, the lines being blurred. Some team may draft him and try to put him at the three. I'm seeing that a lot. I'm seeing six five small forwards and things like that too. So I don't know. I don't I don't like that. But hopefully, you know, he could just guard the his opposing uh shooting guards, the Bradley Beals of the worlds and everything. And I think he'd be able to hold his own. Yeah, I agree. It, you know, it's crazy, like you said, six five at, from a shooting guard. It feels like every point guard now is like expected to be in that six four six five mm-hmm. range too. Yep. And and like the day of like the six one six two shooting guard, like if you're gonna be six two now or uh, as a point guard, you better be like Darius Garland, oh. lights out <laughs> shooter and like playmaker. Like, yeah. I I don't know. Is they're like going out of vogue, right? It's it's just like you want size at every single position. It's crazy the way the that the the NBA is evolving and a guy like Kennedy Chandler, who I think is going to measure in at like five ten, five eleven in the combo. Like, I don't think he looks six foot on the floor. Mm-hmm. And when I think of that, and when we did like our preseason previews on no ceilings, I was like, I'm a little worried about Kennedy Chandler. I love what he brings, but he's just so short. And like how many guys like that get drafted in the lottery nowadays? Like it just, it seems like it's, you got to be so special to be that short to get drafted in the lottery. And it's just happening less and less frequently. And I don't know. It's kind of sad that you're seeing that kind of guard almost like disappear. Dinosaur. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I like Andy Chandler too. We're at the beginning of the season. Uh, you know, he kind of reminded me of like Mike Conley, where it's just a point guard mm-hmm. who's steady, doesn't really do anything wrong. Yeah. But yeah, he is so he is small. He is small. And that with when we talk about size, it, you know who it makes me like more? Um, Donovan Mitchell, because he's like a six foot <laughs> shooting guard and he's yeah. unstoppable at times. Yeah. So it makes me respect him a lot more. But yeah, it's it's, it's very weird. You look at the OKC Thunder, Josh Giddy and Shea backcourt, they'll probably be able to draft the wing. Imagine if they draft AJ Griffin. You know what I mean? Yeah. So tough. Well, what's crazy about Donovan, he got like a six ten wingspan. And yeah. you need, that's like what you need. You need yeah. to be like a have like a freaky wingspan if you're going to be a short Rondo. guard now. Yeah, yeah, Rondo. You know? Yeah, right. Um, one thing defensively, because how do you finish a defensive possession? You got to get a board. Mm-hmm. This kid is a freak rebounder. Yes, yes. Over mm-hmm. eight a game, I think it was mm-hmm. like eight point one rebounds a game. That dude, he hits the boards hard, and he does. and it's. It's all, I mean, I'm not comparing him to Kevin Love and the way that he used to rebound, but like a lot of it to me is like positioning and understanding of how the ball's coming off the rim. Um, but I, I love how he goes after boards and it doesn't feel like 
again, the NBA, a lot of rebounds are cheap rebounds, right? Like the guys, because a lot of teams don't go for offensive rebounds anymore. So they're just like long shots. You get the rebound, you start in transition. College, you know, they still play a little bit more traditionally. So mm-hmm. I, he can really hit the boards. Yeah, yeah that, that speaks to uh, the effort thing. You know what I mean? Yes. I think that's a consistent thing that you're going to hear when people speak on Johnny Davis. Is, and I know a lot of people who may not be fans of Johnny Davis are going to be like, oh, my gosh, they're giving this guy so much credit for, for effort. But, yeah, it's just it's, rebounding is literally an effort thing. That's all it is, unless you're triple-double hunting like the NBA players do. But yeah. it, it's always been something that's just uh, an effort thing how much you want it. And that's, I think that's the consensus uh, statement that we've given for Johnny Davis. It's just like, mm. he cares. it's the effort. He's a gamer. Um, right. And that's what kind of separates him. When I look at him and other guys that are around his, uh, his, his, his range is just like, yeah. he's a gamer. I know when he plays against John, uh, Jaden Ivy, he won't hide. He's going to want that. And for me, um, you know, when you take away stats, you take away analytics, those are the things that that matter um, when you talk about drafting somebody. And I think a lot of times teams in the past didn't really consider that because, like we talked about earlier, it was just like how 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 uh, how high can he jump? Is it a 40 inch vertical? If yeah. it is, then we're just taking them. But those little things that got forgotten about, um, you know, like taking on a challenge, I think he checks all those boxes and the rebound and speaks for itself with that. Yeah, and, dude, a hundred percent. Oh, sorry, Corey. I, no, I really quickly. Yeah, go ahead. I don't, as I mentioned before, like his elite effort. You, I mean, P, you just mentioned it. He will guard the best offensive player. Have no problem with it. Also, we didn't even talk about like off ball. Like he's pretty alert off ball too, and I like that too. But the the effort is insane. Like imagine you're guarding the best player on the other team, and then you you have the wherewithal and the energy and the effort to go and crash the boards with the centers. And even in that Purdue game against like that nine foot monster on Purdue, what's his name? Zach Eady, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, let me that, tell you, this, I've never. Holy crap. Like, I've been to like WWE and sat yeah. like, you know, ringside stuff. When I saw Purdue live, and, you know, I, I went to a lot of the Big Ten games this year to, to scout because one of the kids I used to coach is a team manager on Rutgers. So I went to a lot of Rutgers games. Shout out. Um, for the free tickets for basically any game I wanted. And that Purdue game, I'm looking at this dude in layup lines. And I'm like, this is the craziest person I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like he's the biggest human being. <laughs> like it, like I'm looking at him. Like he looks like an alien, man. The what only other person. I think, seven, I think four, he's listed at seven, four, but like, yeah. it's pretty legit. <laughs> it's pretty legit. The only <laughs> other person I've ever felt that way about is when I stood next to Ball Ball, where I was like, this dude isn't, like, how are we the same, thing, same. Like, species? Same. <laughs> like, like, I saw that full Ball Ball at a Hot Wings Cafe here in L.A., <laughs> and he was wearing the ugliest red leather jacket I've ever seen in my life. And this was right before the draft, and I said, hey, man, um, good luck, and I just walked out. <laughs> we, we had to interview Ball Ball, and I swear... <laughs> I swear, he said seven words. Oh, I swear he said seven words. Yikes! Like, yo, Bobo, we know you're into fashion. What's your, you know, what you like? And he would just say like Nike, and that would be that. <laughs> like, I like Jordans, and it, it was right. yeah. 
I didn't I didn't get to see him in person to see how tall he is. It was over Zoom. But man, one word answer king is Bobo. I love wow. it. I got I want to actually let's let's sidebar this for a second, man. How crazy was it being on stage oh. with Allen Iverson? Mm-hmm. T Mac. Oh, and Shaquille O'Neal, like, <laughs> oh God, the weirdest thing in the world. Just because to have somebody like Shaq and all of these guys who we all grew up watching, idolizing, um, he looked in the crowd and just pointed at me and told me to come here. And it's like a movie where I'm looking around, like, Are you talking to me? And he's like, Yes, I'm talking to you. Come here. And a lot of people thought it was something that was set up. A lot of people thought right. I knew Shaq and this was planned. And I had to tell the story hundred times. Like I haven't, I don't know him. We didn't see each other. Um, it was, it was, it was unreal. I don't, I don't even know if I could put words into it. Um, and the fact that they showed love, I, I like that it was in that setting and it wasn't in passing um, because these are dudes that I, I really can credit to my love for the game. So um, to, to, show t-mac the love because i feel like he doesn't get a lot you know ai is you know it's ai everybody loves ai everybody talks about ai t-mac is a forgotten legend for some reason um even with the top 75 bs so to be able to give him his flowers and meet him um my my dad is the biggest Allen iverson fan you will ever meet my dad got me and my brother's iverson books we watched iverson movies we had iverson shoes i have i've never worn a pair of reebok in my life besides Iverson's the jerseys mm-hmm. we had arm sleeves headbands so to get to get the Iverson signature on the Iverson shirt and then he gifted to my dad as a surprise because he only knew I met him he didn't know I got the shirt signed that was that was a big moment but it, it was it was incredible and then I met Iverson and T-Mac it totally slipped my mind that I met Shaq I I, <laughs> I rarely talk about the fact that it was Shaq up there too so it was dope man it was dope I felt like a kid I I think that Allen Iverson is the since Michael Jordan that era of NBA basketball. I think Allen Iverson is the second most important basketball player of all time. And no argument for me. Just like yeah, he, he maybe he didn't have the on court impact of LeBron or whatever. But like looking around the league, you look at the fashion, the tattoos. I mean, the fact that people wear armbands. Mm-hmm. You know, like the the braids. I mean, it all comes back almost to Iverson. The fact that hip hop is synonymous with like the NBA now, and it's like an accepted part of it from the league. I mean, to go from like how he was uh, almost like ostracized about his appearance. Like, I mean, I obviously a kid, like I was in high school when Iverson was in the finals and all that. He's like the punkest dude alive. You know, just like he was doing whatever he wanted. And the kid who was into punk rock and basketball was like this beautiful mix of like that punk rock attitude and just the way he changed the game and the imprint that you still see. I almost feel like he doesn't even get enough credit regardless, even with people sure. still still talking yeah. about it. And like you said, the fact that this dude made Reebok cool to this day is is wild. We're talking about um, Reebok. Reebok. <laughs> and don't get me wrong. Like, I'll mess with a questions. pair of pumps. I'll pair of pumps. I'll, I'll mess with a pair of pumps, but... The questions, I mean, after he stepped over Ty Lue, I needed the fours. Like, Oof. I needed to walk into yep. school with the zipper down yeah. on those things. Yep. And then T-Mac, man. T-Mac was my guy. He was my favorite player in high school. Oh, okay. uh, Like, I, his game was so smooth. 
And every time somebody gets compared to him, I got it hurts me a little bit because I think, like you said, like he's forgotten. Like people don't realize how nice T Mac was. They don't. Like T Mac in today's game would be mm. like the perfect bet, the perfect prospect. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. This is a guy that was like T Mac was one of my favorites too. The only reason he wasn't my number one favorite is because of the mom. But I I, I was absolutely mm. obsessed with uh, Kobe Bryant, but Tracy McGrady, man. I'm talking about uh, talk about effortless. Like he made he he hurt me as a basketball player growing up because I tried to resemble him, and my dad would be on my ass because I used to try to be cool, make it just look easy, and I I just don't have the guy given talent that he does. But yeah, Tracy McGrady, uh, that that was that was crazy. Tracy McGrady yeah. is definitely a guy that. Um, you know, Iverson is Iverson, but I feel like some of my love is tied into it because of my dad. Tracy mm-hmm. McGrady is like my own authentic, that's my guy type thing. And I I still got his jerseys to this day. He was a guy that had posters on the wall. That was the one that got people texting me like, yo, I remember when we were kids and that was your guy. You know what I mean? So the only guy I got left, I never got the chance to meet Mamba, passed away, obviously. Yeah. But Penny, I need to meet Penny. Mm. Penny, man. Well, that was – I feel like Penny was a big reason that I, I liked T-Mac. Okay, because, that makes sense. Because Penny, as a kid – like, one, like, the ma- those Magic jerseys, my favorite jersey of all time, mm-hmm. right? And, like, as a kid, it honestly, I feel like it helped a lot of, like, my artistic influence was, like, from that era of basketball design. Um, yes, it screams in your work. You I know? Think, yeah, that's yeah. That's what you feel that. The aesthetic <laughs> screams. Yeah. I, I interviewed for for the magazine we did. I interviewed the the guy who did all those the artwork, which was cool. Okay. And we had it, we chopped it up for a while. But being like almost like a secondary Magic fan because of Penny, because of that era of Magic Ball, and then like going to T Mac, they like they changed jerseys up a little bit. I, I remember I used to sell rap mixtapes in high school. This is when like G Unit was popping off. Like mm-hmm. I was selling stuff on eBay. Like I was I was getting crazy money from just selling backpack, eBay, all that. So me and my boy, we would hit, we'd go to the NBA store every week and get an authentic jersey off the money we made selling mixtapes. And uh, T Mac was the first one I got, man. Like that, the the magic jersey with the black on the sides with the stars, with the stars, um, like the faded right stars. Like one of my favorite jerseys ever. And ever since that, they just the magic keep going downhill. When they got these two classic jersey designs, it's unbelievable. I hate it when they changed when they had T Mac and they changed it and it was just the mm. blue with like Orlando. Oh, yeah. terrible. <laughs> it's, it's the perfect they have like orange and black jerseys. That they uh, wear. Yeah. It's it's a disaster. I, if if anybody who is a part of the Magic franchise listens to this podcast, I promise you, I could help you out. And get, and get you get you right with the direction of of the aesthetics. One quick question mm-hmm. for you two gentlemen, because I, I watch you guys obviously, and I love the random references because I'm a basketball junkie like you two. <clears throat> who are who's like a guy that you guys loved? That's like, oh, I really like that guy. I don't want to say favorite player, but that, a guy that wasn't like a star, if that makes sense. So everybody, you know, because we all love T Mac, Iverson, Kobe in some sort of way. But who's like a random guy that was still a good player that maybe wasn't on their level that you just like, man, that's my boy right there. I mean, you know, my favorite player of all time is on the Bulls. And Uh, Captain Kirk, Captain Kirk, (laughs) Kirk Heinrich, my favorite player of all time. 
And like, I, look, I was around for the Jordan, the Jordan days, like, but I was a kid. I didn't fully appreciate what it was he was doing. But like Kirk Heinrich, that was me on the court. Like, you know, like I could pass, I could shoot, I could defend, I couldn't do anything crazy. Um, I, that was that a bad dude, man in Kansas too. That was and, a bad man in Kansas. Yeah, I love those Kansas teams. Nick Collison, Drew Gooden, you know, and uh, you know, it was for the Bulls. It was just like a weird time. Like it was the post Jordan years, and you know, it was like cycling through these weird guys. Marcus Pfizer, like Eddie Robinson, hmm. is getting high in the locker room. Jay Williams is like <laughs> snitching on everybody about it, hmm. and then uh, like. Kirk Heinrich came and it was like the first time the Bulls were normal for a while. And that first year, I was like, I was so happy because Jamal Crawford was my guy and it was like Jamal yes. Crawford mm-hmm. and Kirk Heinrich yes. on the same team for a year. But it was also a time when NBA League Pass wasn't, I don't think it existed yet. So like I was staying mm-hmm. up, just like, what they play? Like eight, I could watch like eight games a year, the Knicks games and the Nets games. So I'd like mm-hmm. stay up late, try to catch up. But that was my guy, Kirk Heinrich. Weird. Just mm. completely. I remember those teams, like because yeah, yeah, there was no league was pass. So I would just watch the local Chicago channel, and they would the Bulls would always play. That was my source to NBA. Heinrich was what fourth, fifth overall. He was seventh. Okay, so that was a LeBron draft. That was a LeBron draft. Yeah, that's right, right, and, right, right. And it, yeah. what happened was there were a lot of rumors the Bulls were trying to get Wade, mm. that they were trying to trade up, and they were going to use. Uh. I don't remember if it was they were trying to trade Jamal Crawford and the pick plus Danielle Marshall or if it was Jay Williams. But the Jay Williams motorcycle accident happened right before the draft and it messed up like the whole plan or whatever. And not that I think Riley was going to trade the pick, but like there were a lot of rumors that that's what they were trying to do to get Dwayne Wade uh, to the Bulls. Mm. But that was a that was a crazy draft. (sighs) All timer all-timer dude i think for me okay first off i wanted to say when you guys were talking about t-mac i was thinking about that era and thinking about my knicks and i was like damn like t-mac was so good all these guys were so good as a nick fan i was like watching like marty collins and thinking like can this guy from temple make it um and then my my life was freaking miserable for it um and also do you guys remember when like during that time like people would wear the jerseys backwards. You guys remember yeah. that? Oh yeah. So I remember one day, dude, I pulled up to school in my jersey backwards, and like a bunch of guys gave me crap about it. Like, what's this? What's this Asian kid? Why is he wearing the jersey backwards? <laughs> and I got all embarrassed, but I was like, "F it, bro, I'm already here." Um, but okay, um, let's see. Was Favorite that Nelly who Nick? did that first? Yeah. And I was always this like really tall Asian kid too. I was always tall. And so I really stuck out, but it's cool, man. I owned it. Um, favorite Nick of all time, who's not a star, it was definitely Anthony Mason. Loved Anthony Mason. Um, RIP Mace. I, yeah, for sure. Um, but like non-star guys, I don't like. I he's technically kind of a star, right? Because he won a title. But I always loved Lamar Odom. I always tried to model my game off of Lamar Odom because I was taller. And then like when you play with Koreans at my size, you're always like the tallest dude. And I remember, like, whatever league or whatever I played in, the coaches always made me play center, and I hated it because mm-hmm. I was the only, like, tall kid there. Most Koreans are, like, 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, I was, like, 6'2 and a half. They're like, all right, you're going to play center. You have no choice. And I'm like, nah, bro, give me the ball. Let me make this happen. But um, love Lamar Odom. Love Gilbert Arenas. He was a star, though. And then, like, if we talk 90s guys, you know, Corey knows. Whenever we talk 90s guys, somehow I always end up on, like, Deadlift Shrimp. 
I, I just love that dude, bro. I, I just thought he was so good and so tall and weird. Um, and then, like, honestly, I have some weird comps for Johnny Davis that we'll get to at the end of, end of this pod, too. And I, I like those guys as well. So those are probably it, man. Unless, we're, like, we're getting really weird and talking about, like, Mo Taylor on the Rockets or random guys like that. So let me stop. <laughs> Mucci Norris. Mucci Norris. Nick's legend. Mucci Norris. Whoa. Yeah. You remember, like, oh, oh, we, this we is really real random. Obscure. You remember, like, Malik Rose? You remember Malik yes, Rose? Like, when you would, like, play D in the post, and then, like, they would post up, and you'd always pull the chair on them. And mm-hmm. then Walt Clyde Frazier would always freak out and call him, like, this cerebral player. And it's like, <laughs> that's the only good thing he would do on the court. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't want to talk about Malik Rose as a name. Only as a spur. Oh, <laughs> God. Well, Tim Thomas. Who... I love Tim Thomas. Sorry. Tim Thomas is a Ten times ago, he spoke. He spoke at a camp I did at Villanova. He was yeah. not interested in speaking to the to the to the kids. That's what I remember about his speech. Who's who's your obscure guy? You were a uh, fan of Lamar Odom is is definitely yeah. like, but again, like he was borderline. I yeah. got like I got two Lamar Odom jerseys right in front of me with the Clippers Oof. and the Lakers. Like I'm a, a Lamar freak. Um, yeah. One that's more recent. I I love this guy. I, I can't get this guy like away. I don't care how far away he gets from the NBA. I love Michael Beasley. Like, oh, super cool I love Beasley. that guy. I love him so much. Like, you would think he was my cousin or uncle, how <laughs> the love I have for him. And the fact that he came to the Knicks and had those moments in the garden. But yeah, Kansas State, Michael Beasley had me in a chokehold. Problem. Right? A problem. <laughs> people, um, don't re- people don't remember. It was not like, Hey, Derrick Derrick Rose. Rose going number yeah. one. Like yeah. it was a conversation. Yeah. Like people thought Michael Beasley was like gonna be KD, possibly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know that was that was real. Beasley, Dude, you know, he whatever happened. Nineteen to him. rebounds a game. He was crazy. Yes. <laughs> he was crazy. He handily beat Kansas by himself. It <laughs> yeah. was like I mean, uh, <laughs> Walker. Uh, he, he get buckets. Um, I definitely like White Chocolate. White Chocolate was. Oh, I yeah. always had a thing for yeah. like Kevin Martin with the weird. Mm. Kevin Martin, yeah. Um, Tyson Chandler for those Bulls teams Ooh. when they had Captain Kirk and they would go into the uh, playoffs and they would do the black shoes, black socks. Um, yeah, uh, it's, I, it's the fact <laughs> they wear black shoes in the regular season, like they just gave up on that tradition. Like, yeah, yeah. that was always so cool to me. Yeah. Larry Hughes, I used to like Larry Hughes. Him and Ooh, Larry Hughes were together. One. Um, uh, who else did I like? Uh, yeah, I used to just like uh, Karolinko. Karolinko was like um, my favorite player when I was like sixth or seventh grade. I had like this big thing, Karolinko thing I was doing. Jared um, Jeffries. Jared Jeffries was Jared another Jeffries. one. Yeah, Jared Jeffries was such a disappointment, but I, I for some reason, <laughs> really used to think he was going to be like a problem. And, I think uh, he was ahead of his time, dude. I actually thought he was ahead of his time. He should be a small ball five in today's league. Yeah, dude. 6'10 guy can guard point guards. I kind of liked him. Kirilenko might be a small ball five in this league too. Like you put yeah, Kirilenko oh, on the sure. on the Raptors, like he's yeah. a, he's a Raptor guy. Yeah, oh, yeah. Raptor. oh for sure. Yeah, just like um, and then Jr. Jr. Did I got to end with Jr. Jr. is just JR. like you know, right? Jr. is one of the most just pound for pound talented NBA mm-hmm. players of all time. Yeah, just raw yeah. natural ability. Uh, like. His career could have gone so many different ways. And he had a great career, long career, yes, champion, yeah. like 
contributor, six man of the year. I think he won six man of the year, right? Yes, he did. Um, as a Nick. As like, a Nick. 18 points he, a game, baby. But as like a shooting guard, he had as much talent as as anybody who ever one last random man. And I'm so heartbroken this guy didn't have an incredible career that I thought he was gonna have. Celine Stoudemire. Celine mm, Stoudemire. Oh, Arizona. Yes. I thought I was going to Arizona as a as a top McDonald mm. American recruit because of that dude. But yeah, I love Celine Stoudemire. Yeah. The the one last guy, JJ Reddick, was my guy. I saw him oh. I saw him uh the McDonald's All American game for that class was in New York mm-hmm. when he was a senior. And I got the chance to see him win MVP, like, right? He was a, I got to see him win the three point contest. I think he did win MVP mm-hmm. uh of the game. And then that's when I think Mello got a little upset or something, like froze him out of the next, like the Jordan tournament or whatever. Um, but I loved watching JJ Reddick. Uh, mm. Especially like he was another, like I was at a soft spot for the magic guys. We can go on forever mm. about this shit. Let's, let's, let's get back to Johnny Davis. Uh, that would be another podcast. All right. Albert. Say Mateen Cleaves. <laughs> Speedy Claxton. <laughs> we just, just go off random. Random guys. Oh All right. If you're buying stock in Johnny Davis, who may you have bought stock in previously? You said you got some weird ones. I'm yeah. ready for him. I'm ready. I'm weird, but here we go. Um, obviously, dude, the Devin Booker one is kind of uncanny. Like, even to the point yeah. where like he's not a great three-point shooter. Devin Booker is like what 33% from three for his career, something like that. So bizarre. It's kind of yeah, it's kind of insane how much he looks like Book, even the way that he moves and stuff. It's like the F is going on here. Did he have like, I don't know, some long lost twin or something? It's freaking wild. Um, but Booker's a really good one. And if that's his ceiling, then holy, yeah, you better take him in the top five to top six. Um, had some weird ones. Like I thought of like 90s strong guards. Obviously, these are not going to be one for one comps. But like these guys were so physically strong and were able to like score in the mid range. Obviously, like some of them differ. Like the first one's like Jim Jackson. If you guys remember, Jim Jackson was, I mean, dude, Jim Jackson was so strong and he had these freaking gigantic shoulders. So I have three names and I'm thinking like Tony maybe Braxton. he's a mix of all three guys. <laughs> so three guys that I'm his thinking are Jim ja- right? Who, Jim Jackson? Yeah, I think his son went to Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're connected. I, I think so. So the three guys I, I thought of were Jim Jackson, Mitch Richmond, and Kendall Gill. Now, Kendall Gill's a weird one. Like, I, I get it. People are going to be, some people might be like, who the hell is Kendall Gill? But um, if you remember, Kendall Gill of the New Jersey Nets, um, get it right, everyone. Um, Great but, cameo you know, those on three my brother guys, and me. That's, <laughs> I, I actually remember that one. I just um, recently saw Kendall Gill in person, too. Oh, for Very real? Weird. How's he looking? He was still at a shape? tournament that my little brother was playing in. I don't know if he has oh. a son or something. But, okay. yeah, still in great shape. Yeah. Boxes but, like, do, you know, he's always do you remember? Oh, well. <laughs> do you remember Kendall Gill's shoulders? The guy mm-hmm. was, like had these freaking boulder shoulders. But anyway, all these guys could score in the mid-range. Kendall Gill, I thought, was a little bit more uh, athletic than Johnny. Maybe not. I, I like Johnny Davis as an athlete. But anyway, I thought of these like bigger 90s guards who could operate in the mid-range, who could attack the rim, who were kind of physically imposing. Um, Jim Jackson had a really long career. He ended up – I remember like even when – he was still playing when I was in like junior high high school. So 
Jim Jackson was around for a very long time. Obviously, these are not one-for-one comps, but I just thought like, and then Kendall Gill was such a strong defender. Um, always was a really, really good defender for whatever team he played for. And then Mitch Richmond, obviously dynamic scorer, whether he was Golden State or Washington or Sacramento, wherever he was at, he was a guy who could put up 20 points. So um, I thought of those guys, obviously, once again, they're not perfect comps, but I thought of guys who can really score and who are pretty physically imposing guys. So those are my weird comps. I like them. I like them. You got it? Anybody besides uh, D-Book? I, it, it's so hard to come up with one-on-one comps, like yeah. Alvin said. Um, I think in some weird ways, I see similarities with with certain guys that are like all over the place. So, like, and I look at Malcolm Brogdon; they don't they play mm. differently, but like the size, and there are yeah. some similarities. Obviously, Malcolm Brogdon is more of a better three-point shooter, a much better three-point shooter, but the size and even the way they kind of move just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, when I think about Johnny Davis, another comp that came to mind just from play style, and this guy isn't, I think Johnny Davis would probably have a better career, but just sit and think about this name and think about the best version in, that you could create in your mind of like Bogdan Bogdanovich, mm. like not one-on-one, not mm. head-on comparison, but it's something there. There's a connection that I that that yeah. I see in some similarities. Obviously, not as strong as Johnny Davis or whatnot. And I think the NBA has kind of changed so many players' games that mm-hmm. I hope Johnny Davis can even stay the same player. You know, there's so many guys that I think like the league is like, man, just take seven threes a game. Yeah. You know what I mean? So um, other than that, play styles. I mean, a little Karis LeVert. Obviously, different body types of things, but mm-hmm. you know. Um, other than it's 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 tough. Brandon Roy, yeah. Brandon Roy. That's yeah, no. yeah, yeah. That's a good it's one. Definitely yeah, some of the Brandon Roy stuff. So other than that, it's it's tough. That and that that's the intriguing part about him because I love comps. I know some people don't like comps, but I, I love them. And because there isn't like one dead on one, besides the Booker one, which is kind of like the obvious one, it, it yeah. makes me intrigued. I've tried to find so many comps that are like that's it right there, but I just can't. I don't know it's something unique about them. For sure. I got uh, you know, obviously D book. I mean, I definitely have drawn the parallels with Brandon Roy, even though Brandon Roy is, you know, uh, I think a whole nother tier of, you know, for sure what he what he was as a player. Uh, but I the one I kind of I, I kind of liked a little bit. He's like a mini or miniature version of Joe Johnson. Mm. You know, kind of like he's got that he's got that mid range kind of post game that he can go to. He's strong. Imagine if he had that handle. Whew. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Iso Joe's. I mean, so you know, it's and he would. Joe Johnson was what six eight. So yeah. yeah, some of the stuff he was doing at that size, like uh, a miniature version, is just you know not gonna not gonna be as effective at it. But I, I think there's some similarities there. But yeah, it's book. D book's the one that I think is going to be the most popular going forward, uh, by far. <laughs> yeah, not Kendall Gill, I'm sure. Yeah, I don't think uh, on the the draft broadcast Schmitz is going to have a, a highlight of uh, Kendall Gill to to throw to. <laughs> if that happens, uh, you know, I respect it though. I, that's and that's what I love about doing this stuff with you guys because we all kind of think the same way. Where we we fight so hard against saying the obvious Devin Booker one. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I was really looking and digging and looking and looking and looking. And yes, yeah, it's, it's tough. 
it's tough because like even the Bogdan Bogdanovich one is just like it's so left field, but it's just like some it's some some similarity. Yeah, there's something not, like in the way so. that the, the role he could be playing. Mm-hmm. Like he can carry your offense for spurts for sure. Yeah, but like if you put him in that role full time, he's, he's probably underqualified for it. I think there yep. there are parallels for sure. Um, all right, Albert, it's that time. I need you to sell me this pen on Wisconsin's Johnny Davis. Uh, I was actually like looking around my desk right now to find a pen. I don't have one. I guess that's just a 2022 thing, right? Like who the hell writes anything anymore? Yeah. But let me sell you this pen. All right. (laughs) Johnny Davis. This guy is, I mean, dude, he's going to be a really, really fun player in the next level. Um, If you think he's fun now playing on this Wisconsin team, just imagine how much more fun he's going to be with NBA spacing. And it's kind of insane. Um, I just feel like he's going to have way more room to operate and do the stuff that he's good at, which is exciting. And I think if you think he's strong now, wait till he gets into an NBA program. He's going to add 10 more pounds of muscle and he's going to look just like the legend Kendall Gill. You know, he's going to be really powerful. He's going to be a problem with his shoulders and everything. So uh, and also he's a two way guy. I I think it's fair to say that Johnny Davis is a two way guy. He's going to give you great effort defensively. As we talked about on this pod, he's going to go and rebound the ball really well. He's averaging eight boards in college. Who knows how many he averages in the league? He may, be a, he may have a 10-rebound season one year where he averages 10 a game. Who knows, right? So he's a real max effort guy, both ends of the floor. He's going to be able to get you a bucket. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, as we've mentioned, he may be a primary in spurts, secondary, tertiary, creator, shot maker. There's a lot to like. So, um as we've said, if you like Devin Booker and someone like Devin Booker, if you like someone like a Jim Jackson or a Joe Johnson or any of these guys, right, Bogdan Bogdanovich, then you should feel pretty good taking him in the top ten. I couldn't have said it better. I agree. I mean, I think we went real deep on Johnny Davis, and uh, this was such a fun episode. It's been too long, man. Uh, anytime you come on, I mean – not too many guys we're going to start getting into conversations about uh, some of the guys that we mentioned today. I can't even remember some of the guys Mucci we hit. Norris. Mucci Norris. <laughs> Speedy only, Jackson. Oh only, only when the three of us <laughs> link up are we going to we gonna get that. But I had a lot of fun, man. Tell, uh, tell the folks where they could uh, find you and, and your work and your rebuilds and all yeah, the stuff man. you got going on. Uh, Pee Wee to plug everywhere. YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Through the Wire podcast. Um, got a lot of stuff going on with just the company. I think I'm supposed to be on NBA TV this Friday. Let's uh, go. With Shan- Shannon wow. Fry. So I'll get to, I might poke him some questions. He's a legend. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, just working, um, trying to get, get myself some time to dive into the draft so I can be as qualified in some of these conversations. Obviously, the top part of the draft with these Johnny Davis guys I'm, I'm qualified for, but you know, you start talking about, you know, the Blake Wesley's and things like that. I got to start getting myself ready for that. It's been tough. It's been tough because I think when we started connecting, it was mm-hmm. kind of around the pandemic where, you know, yeah. everybody was, that was, what, that was it. Yeah. So it was like, now I'm getting back to work and HOH and Bleach Report has me going to San Francisco and Cleveland. Now they want me to go to Vegas and come back home and then go back to Cal it's tough to do this stuff. And, you know, um, I'm trying to find a time man. I'm trying to find a time. Uh, it, it's it's going to be a good one. I, I like this draft a lot. 
Um, I thank you guys. I, I owe you guys a lot uh, with the articles, the content and everything, because it's helped me uh, keep up with a lot of stuff. You don't know, Corey. Ryan Rollins. I love that guy. You put me on. I love that guy a lot. I, I hope he can get drafted because he's nice. He's nice. Yeah. We're, we're going to cover him soon because uh, oh he's a he's a guy that a lot of people don't know about right now. He plays at a small school, but that dude is smooth, man. He's, he's like uh guard Brandon Ingram a little bit. Like he's just, yes. Yes. you know, like he's, he's a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, the, the no ceiling team probably going to be mad at me at how high I have him on my, my big board when we, when we create the next no ceilings conglomerate board. Cause I hope the Knicks watch. <laughs> I hope the Knicks are watching, man, because mm. And I don't want to start another conversation. I know we wrap it up, but I'm seeing these mocks and they're tying us up to Ty Ty Washington. No disrespect to Ty Ty. I don't know if he's the mm. answer for the Knicks. And when I look at this mm-hmm. draft, I see the the uh, Alondis Williams kid from Wake Forest. He should Oof. be available later on. We're talking about Ryan Rollins. There's a lot of guys who could be very nice later to not afford you to, to have to use a top 10 pick on a guard. So, we'll, you know, we'll see. But, you know, again, thank you guys because – I use it more than y'all know. I'll be up on the. I've been times I'm on a plane and I'm just scrolling through <laughs> article after article trying to catch up. And that's that's what we're trying to do, man. We're trying to the the draft is you know it's crazy, and I that's why I love having you on the show because you I feel like are one of the the people who can balance the draft talk with NBA talk because it's like it's very intense following the draft. Like you have yeah. to to go deep on a ton of guys. And if you follow the NBA, the NBA is hard to to keep up with. Like to watch every team know what you're talking about, you got to do a lot. So for you to balance it, that's you know we appreciate the fact that you can actually come and have these conversations and not just have them, but like we value you as a guest for your opinion on them. You know what I mean? Well, I appreciate it because there are a lot of guys that are faking the funk. You know, I, I'll read these. <laughs> Yeah, I read I read the mock drafts or whatever, and they'll say you know uh, a, do a little breakdown or something, a paragraph on the player, and I'm like, damn, you ain't watched him one yeah. time. Exactly. So, you know what I mean? That's that's what we we love to do. We love to go deep, and you can go de- as deep as as we can. So um, I can't wait to have you back on the show. You're uh, you're killing it right now. You and and the whole crew. Like I'm I'm super proud of everything you got going on right now, and. uh just a pleasure to have you on, man. No, thank you You're guys. Man. Anytime y'all have an opening, I'm always one message away. Keep killing it. Um, and I, I truly do think that you guys have something special um, boiling up. The draft has become such a big topic. And I agree. There are a lot of guys faking the funk because that's just the, the reality of the world that we're in with basketball. We're like, I can google real quick basketball reference and think i know who johnny davis is yeah. uh, but i appreciate you guys and i gravitated to you guys because it is authentic it is real and you guys do do the homework which is important so um once the rest of the world starts to uh be able to see that and i think slowly but surely you guys are building brick by brick which is more important than a, a quick spark um I, I think it's going to be something special and I'm, you know, I'm trying my best to, to continue to push the, 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 the word I share as much as I can and support because I really am invested. Um, and I, I do think it's going to be special uh, with how popular the draft is becoming, man. It's, it is getting so popular. It, it yeah. like every time I Google something or I mean, YouTube something, there's like so many channels and so many guys doing so many different things. And, um, 
you guys are are the pillars of of you know this this next wave so i appreciate you guys more than you know man hey man we're trying to set trying to set the bar trying to set the bar for all these, yeah, these guys entering the space man um albert tell the people where they can find you uh, you can find me at Alberto Gim. You can also find me at GTG NBA. Just want to say, I know Corey went on like a whole thing, but uh, AP, really appreciate it, man. I remember last time you were on the pod, it was right before the draft. You asked me to follow you on Twitter, and I was like so shocked when I realized <laughs> that I wasn't following you already. I don't know what the hell that was, but um, obviously I'm following you now. And um, man, I, hey, every time we post anything, it feels like you're retweeting us and putting us out there. And that means so much to us. Um, our pod too, even just like our draft act pod, you've put us on so many times already. So we really appreciate all the support because like, you know, I I tell this to Corey all the time, but like, it it still feels like we're just starting and all this feels so new and crazy. And I, I personally feel like I still have no idea what I'm doing. And so whenever you support us like that, encourage like that, encourage us like that, it, it means a lot. So did want to say that to you while on the show that I really appreciate all your support and all the kind words that you've had for us. And obviously everything that you're doing is unbelievable. And, and in a lot of ways, we kind of want to get to where you are one day. So um, really appreciate you coming on once again. And uh, yeah, pretty much it for me. Realist dude in the game, man. All right. That's going to be it for this episode of the draft act podcast. We will be back next week with another random prospect to go deep on, Uh, Until then, y'all, thank you for rocking with us. We out. Peace. Peace.